This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, no defence for United as Buddy's bound interview. And Dundee delight as Boyer's boys top the table. Hello and welcome back to Twa Teams One Street for episode number 182. We're still going. They've not stopped us yet. Um, you'll have noticed that Tom Duth is not here. We, we hope he uh, feels a bit better soon. So you're stuck with me, George Crant, in the hot seat, asking all the penetrating questions to <laughs> our Dundee United man, Alan Temple. How's it going, Alan? Uh, it's going uh, as fine as can be considered covering Dundee United <laughs> over the last seven days. Yeah, that's just yeah. as well. We'll get on to that. I think Graham Finnan might be a wee bit happier his team over the past few months, uh, weeks, even. Yeah, hello everyone. Yeah, it's things are looking are looking rosy on the on the Dundee side of the street. But let's be honest, George, it is only August, <laughs> yeah. and you don't win any trophies no. in August. So let's let's give it a bit of time. There's a lot of time for everything to go Absolutely. wrong. So yeah, uh, and obviously we we recorded early last week because because the United European game. So there's been quite a lot has happened since then, both sides of the street. Uh, one side of the street is distinctly unhappy, and the other side is uh, kind of enjoying that. I think discomfort. Schadenfreude is, if there's ever a place for it, it's Sandman Street. I would say. Hmm. Um, and we love a bit of misery on Twa Teams One Street, so we'll start with United. And um, well, just before we start recording, asking Alan how much he enjoyed. His trip to the Netherlands, um, I don't think United fans in the end enjoyed it at all. I mean, that, how how was the build-up and then how much of a letdown was the, was the game? Do you know, it's, it's wild when Baird says it's only August. I feel like I've covered the entirety <laughs> of a yeah. campaign in the last sort of, you know, t- 10 days or so. It's just so much has been packed in, so many, even by the standards of this city, it has been a, a roller coaster period. Um to answer your question, the build-up was absolutely fantastic. There was so much positivity. You'll know from listening to this podcast last week, those of you that did, the positivity was around this room as mm-hmm. well. There was a real belief that Dundee United had shown enough in that first leg to go over there um, and potentially finish the job or at least make it a tighter tie than it ended up being. And that was uh, exemplified in the, the amount of fans that went over there, the atmosphere, you know the the you know the guys back home putting together video pieces and, and picture collages and stuff did a fantastic job of encapsulating the atmosphere over in the Netherlands. Amsterdam was just a a sea of tangerine down by the canal on Wednesday evening, and then Alkmaar was a fantastic atmosphere on Thursday. I, I can't say enough good things about the town. First of all, um, I think most Dundee United fans will, will feel the same. Aside from a a couple of daft laddies trying to start some trouble, as can happen in any town. But generally, um, and I'm talking about Alkmaar fans there, I should clarify. Um, but generally, the people were, were so welcoming, so nice. It was a beautiful place. And the build-up to the game was just fantastic. And then, 
what was it the the, the twenty one minute mark hit and mm-hmm. um, everything collapsed at a time where Dundee United seemed to be coming into the game and they then, started quite well. I thought yeah, yeah. They, were, they were playing a wee bit and um, the, that first goal it's a it's a wonderful goal. It seems like such a long time ago again now, but you know a, a lovely passing move. But runners weren't tracked. Um, people were ball watching. It's a poor goal defensively to lose and. Ian Harks forces a fantastic save from the goalkeeper. Second goal goes in, and then all hell breaks loose, ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's one of the most stark, complete psychological collapses I've ever seen on a football pitch, to be perfectly honest. Um, players just completely ceased to do their job. Um, a mixture of, I don't know if it was panic or just a, a feeling of our European dream is dying and uh, and a, a mm. degree of lethargy sets in. Well, the, Tom uh, kind of mentioned that. Was it, was it last week when he was talking about European games that can happen mm-hmm. because the tie's over, but you, you, do, you don't expect it to happen, do you? Exactly. It was. I think it was a, a mix of, of all those things and just tactically it became a mess. They were, Dundee United were all over the shop and playing a team as good as AZ Alkmaar, they just popped it through those gaps and absolutely... Mm ripped them asunder. There's a way to lose football matches, and let's make this absolutely clear. The way AZ played, they would have beaten Dundee United on Dundee United's best day. Mm. I have absolutely no doubt about that. But that was one of Dundee United's worst days, and that's reflected in the scoreline. And the only positive you can take from a footballing perspective is that um, they didn't suffer the heaviest defeat in the history of Scottish clubs mm. in Europe, which is, <laughs> if you're taking that as your <laughs> yeah. positive uh, in terms of the scoreline, then you know it's been in a bad evening because there was a couple of late chances there and Dundee United were almost in the history books mm. for the wrong reasons. And regardless of the standard of opposition you're playing, that's quite clearly not good enough. Yeah. And then, then followed that up with a really tough game away at Hearts uh, and uh, another scoreline that they, they very much don't want to see go against their team but do you think maybe that <clears throat> the disappointment's been obviously 7-0 is an absolute hammering and embarrassing for United but do you think the, the huge disappointment that we've kind of seen from the fans is was kind of added to because the first leg was so good and we saw how good Dundee United can be and put together a pretty complete performance defensively and attacking and then to suddenly lurch to quite the exact opposite. Do you think that was a big part of it? I think that's I think that's fair. I think the the sense of being slightly shell shocked by it is probably exacerbated by how good Dundee United were in the first leg. If Dundee United had maybe scraped to a two two draw the way they did against maybe like Dinamo Moscow, for example, mm-hmm. um, uh, then you would have said I said they'll probably get the job done in the first leg. But there was a combination of Dundee United being very good at Tanadice and I think what became evident when you watched AZ play well at the AFA stadium is AZ were terrible at Tanadice mm. by their standards. Um, they are quite clearly capable of a hundred times better than what they showed at Tanadice and they sh- they did show that back in the Netherlands. Um, what needed to... Also, I mean, Dundee United conceded some terrible goals. You know, the third goal, the keepers flapping it fresh air, the fourth goal... Oh goodness me! Uh, it's just it's tough to watch. The mm. ball goes across the face of goal twice. Dundee United have seven players in their own box. 
none of which are marking anybody, none of which are tracking any runs. It's just, it's complete panic, which is exemplified by when Behitch tries to clear the ball and swings at fresh air. And it's just, you know, we don't need to go over uh, old ground to, to too much of an extent, but obviously it's the first time we've, we've chatted about it. But it was a... There were some really, really bad goals to yeah. concede in that game. And that's what I mean when I say people cease to do the fundamentals of their job. They would have lost that game maybe two or three now. They would have gone out because AZ were the better mm -hmm. better team. And if AZ played their best and Dundee United played their best, AZ will go through. That was just a fact of the matter. But there was maybe three or four of those goals that if people just did their jobs properly and tracked runs and were diligent in their duties and stayed calm in the situation, shouldn't have happened really. And then Bear, probably one of the last fi fixtures I think Jack Ross would have picked three, day, three days after it. No time to really get into the players and, and get any to get them back to any sort of level or sort out their confidence or anything, get into them. You, you wouldn't really pick hearts at Tynecastle, would you? No, no. Um, out with Old Firm Hearts is probably the last place yeah. you, would, you would really want to go. Um I don't know why, because Hearts aren't a passive team. They don't start games and wait to see what happens at Tynecastle. You know, the demand from their support is that they go and attack teams, and that's exactly what they did at Dundee United. And unfortunately for Dundee United, I'm sure Jack Ross, the first thing on his mind is don't lose a goal yeah. inside the first <laughs> first 10 minutes. Never mind the first minute, the first the first yeah. 10 minutes. It had to be him as well. They it? nearly and made it to the 45 second mark. Yeah, <laughs> just nearly quite, held firm. It's quite uncanny how these things come around as 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 they do. And Alan, Alan mentioned it, you know, Dundee United and all over the place. That's that's something we can't level at Dundee United over the past yeah. two, three seasons. It's just, they've just been so solid, so resolute at the back. You know, they've given very little away. They've probably given more goals away in the last two games than they have over the, t the last two years. Really, honestly, I mean, it's just, it's quite staggering, but it just shows you how confidence can be eroded. And unfortunately, you go to Hearts as well, and it's, it's another one where you're at Tynecastle, and Hearts go one up. A lot of Premier League teams, Alan, when they go one up, they try to protect what they've got. Mm. Hearts are yeah. not one of these teams. No, exactly. So they're just going to keep going and look for a second and look for a third, and that's, that's what they did. So it was a, a really chastening you know, yeah. 11 days for Dundee United, if you're like, you know, week and a bit. Um, it's tough. They win, they win the game against Alkmaar at Tannis and, you know, everybody's on a real high. But we're done, I mean, let's be honest, you can get carried away. We're mm. Dundee United, are we really expecting them to go into the latter stages of that competition? No, Dundee United are on, a, are on a real high. And similarly, when they go over there and lose heavily, you know, it is a dreadful, dreadful result and a dreadful, dreadful night, but it does not make them the worst team in the world. You know, they are on a bit yeah. of a low just now. What it has done, it has eroded confidence big style within the squad. And as Jack Ross, is, I'm sure, has been working this week with them, trying to raise morale, getting them back and telling these players that are good players. Mm -hmm. Get them back doing sensible things on the ball, which they've done in the past, mm -hmm. and trying to get back on the bus again and, and picking up points. But that can be tough. That can be tough and it'll be interesting to see how they go this week because they're playing St Myrna at Tannadice. Everybody's expecting them to turn it around straight away and it might not just happen like that. St Myrna had a bloody good result at the weekend yeah, when, yeah. when uh, quite a few people didn't expect that to happen because they, they'd started quite poorly through their League Cup section as well. There's no givens in, in that Premiership. Mm -hmm. Dundee United need to get back to doing what they're good at. Keeping it tight at the back, mm -hmm. being resolute. That might not mean creating a lot of chances, 
But if you can get yourself, you know, solid, it gives you a platform to go and win games, build back some of the confidence mm-hmm. that has really been shattered over the last week. This will sound daft after a 4-1 defeat, but Dundee United at times were okay on the ball at Tynecastle. Mm-hmm. You know, they were neat and tidy. The problem is off the ball, all over, they're still all over the shop. That goal they conceded, which sets the tone for the rest of the fixture, is unforgivable when you've just shipped seven goals away from home and should be looking to tighten up and respond and be, uh, as Bear said a couple of times, resolute in your duties. Two players are drawn to Alan Forrest on the wing. Nobody follows Liam Boyce over to the right flank. Nobody then tracks Cammy Devlin's run into the box. So an unmarked Boyce passes to an unmarked Cammy Devlin. He cuts it across the face of goal. Ryan Edwards has no idea where Lauren Shankland is. Lauren Shankland drifts in and pops the ball in from six yards. It's a terrible goal to lose. Mm. I'm no football analyst, but you just watch it. and You're, you're supposed picking... to be. That's your job. <laughs> you're picking out. I can guarantee you, Alan, that Jack Ross would have gone through all... 100%, of course. Oh, ab- yeah. 100%. And you've, you've pointed out exactly the things where it went wrong right from the outset. Yeah. But, but my, my kind of point is that, you know, Jack Ross would ordinarily have to go deeper to pick out things that maybe yeah. your, your layman wouldn't have necessarily picked out. And the incidences like that, it's blatantly obvious and just mm. and shouldn't be happening and certainly shouldn't be happening 41 seconds into the game when the message will have been, don't give away anything stupid. Yeah. So it's off the ball. Dundee United uh, just need to get back to fundamentals. It, mm-hmm. is, it really is. It's fundamental, basic stuff. What is your job when you don't have the football? Mm. Because for the majority of a football match, you're not in possession of the football. It'll either be out of play or it'll be in the hands of the other team, particularly at a place like Tynecastle or, or away to Asset Alkmaar. So they, everyone in the dressing room just needs to, and they will be doing this, hold each other to, to high standards and drive each other on to do their hard work without the ball because there's quality there with the ball. That's not in question. It's just about getting back to what they did so well last season and it should be there the muscle memory should be mm-hmm. there they are a good defensive team last season so I think um, I think we we'll have to say as well there hasn't been massive change at Dungeon but there has been noticeable change within certain areas I mean they have got a different goalkeeper yeah and he, he has had a, a, a feel for the lad because he has had a mm. bit of a, a shaky start and I always say you know he's made a couple of saves that maybe he should have taken in and they've been put in the back of the net by an opposition player now while I would blame the goalkeeper on that, I think you've got to look at your defenders as well. Yeah. Coming from a goalkeeper perspective, you've always got to expect... I always, I always say, said when I played in the goal, mm-hmm. to my defence, think like a striker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think that something's going to come off me, get yourself in there first and protect me if anything does, you know. And I don't think he's had that protection, but I don't think he's covered himself in the glory in the way he's played. Mm-hmm. They've also lost Callum Butcher at sitting in front of the defence as well, which is as way as, you know, United last season were, were, were criticised for maybe being a bit too defensively set up and not creating enough so maybe they've taken Butcher out but it has exposed that central area mm. in their defence a wee bit more you know so that's something Jack Ross will be looking at, looking to you know seal up over the next wee while and there's still obviously time in the transfer window and Jack Ross has made it clear he's looking to bring more more in but I would think he'd be absolutely delighted he's got a full week this week to yeah. work with the players getting back in kind of reset a bit and try and get out of their mind the, the, the problems they've been having in defence Samirn at home the fans would be expecting a win I would think um, 
they've lost the last three. They can't go four, can they? With Celtic coming coming after it as well. No, I think. I mean, I think we've been fairly honest in that post mortem of things. Uh, however, now certainly will be the perspective at Danadice of trying to retain a little bit of uh, wider perspective, which mm. is Dundee United have played five competitive games this season. One of those against Kilmarnock, they should have won, stupidly went down to 10 men and then conceded an injury time leveller. That would have been a terrific result away at Rugby Park. They've beaten AZ Alkmaar at home, in which was one of the finest European nights the club's had mm. in decades. Um, they've then lost to Livingston, rather understandable given the circumstances of going to Holland next, and then they've been on the end of two absolute shellackings away from home. But fundamentally, if you take away the score lines, they lost to two teams they probably would have been expected to lose to. Yeah. So that, that's a that's a sense of perspective and a, another way you could look at the start to the season, which is what makes this St Mirren game so huge because this is the game where you go, okay, have they just lost games where they could maybe be expected to lose? Mm. Or are we now in a problematic start to the well, season? Well, the issue is confidence now, isn't yeah. it? The, their confidence has been, has been shredded by the, by those two results. Absolutely. So if that carries on against St Mirren and they don't get a confidence-building win, the start to the season then becomes problematic. If they get a decent result and play a little bit, don't give anything away stupidly, maybe even Mark Birrigate keeps a, a clean sheet and makes a couple of decent saves, then it puts a slightly different twist on the whole start to the season because then your premiership start to the season hasn't been hasn't been terrible mm. um uh, there's a piece up on our our website this week kind of looking at the importance of the next seven premiership games five of them are at Tanadice. so starting this week dundee united need to make Tanadice a fortress if they can do that and pick up a good amount of points which is absolutely possible over this next period then the start to the season becomes a a tumultuous roller coaster <laughs> one, but it doesn't need to define the entirety of the season. Um, but drilling that into the players and giving them the confidence to go out and express themselves on Saturday after a, a bruising period um, is more challenging. It's easier said than done, but that's why Jack Ross is, is in the role. Jack Ross is a good man manager. Um, it's just one of the things that all of his ex-players generally say about him, whether they, whether he picked them, whether he didn't pick them, whether mm. he had fallings out. There's always been a respect there in terms of his man management, and this is a test of that. Can he lift his group? Because player for player, Dundee United should beat St Mirren at home. I think as well, they see the fans on Saturday, George, have got a massive, massive role to play. Some yeah, fan, fans yeah. are either, you know, there's no middle ground. You're either, you're on a real high mm. or you're on a real, real mm. low. Now, there's no guarantee that everything will go to plan on Saturday. And if it doesn't, that's when Dundee United are going to really need their support to try and lift the team yep. and get right behind them and get them over the line. That's what that's when you need your supporters, when things are going all right, when the, when, when you're winning and, and you're a couple of goals up and fans will be doing but when you really need your support is when things maybe aren't going your way. <laughs> and because if, if fans do turn, then they've got a real, real problem. This this is a, a bad run for Dundee at this point in time. But it's not a crisis. But it has the capacity, if you look at the games ahead, if things don't go well over the next mm. few weeks, to suddenly turn into a, certainly a mini-crisis. And, and I, I did say at the start, start of the podcast, it was only August, but they could be in crisis in September, you know, if they, if they go into a run of poor games. But I would expect Dungeon to pick up. They've got too many good players not to do that. And one result can turn it big style. And, and it's massive on Saturday that everybody 
the players, the management and the fans are all pushing in the same direction to get that result. I think it's a great point you make, especially in terms of there's some players there that really need that support. Yeah. You look at, we've touched on it a couple of times, but the goalkeeper, and I'm loath to pinpoint any position when, frankly, you could go through every position on the pitch and, and be critical, but it's the life of a goalkeeper that you will come under scrutiny. And Mark Berigiti doesn't deserve to be written off as a dud after two games. That's completely unfair. And again, on the on in our paper, we've got you know Rob Douglas this week mentioning that way too early to always make mistakes. Just yeah, just ask the, David De Gea. I mean, yeah, I mean it's yeah. uh, so. What will be a test now is his mentality, his self confidence, mm. the things that a goalkeeper needs to have in spades to have had the career that Mark Berrigates has. He now needs to show that, but he also needs, you know, needs the fans to come out and, you know, back him. Don't create an air of nervousness that that, that makes mm. him worried about his job. Now, don't get me wrong, players are responsible for their own performance. I wouldn't suggest that it's fans' job to inspire a player to do their job properly. However, Bear's right, there there needs to be a, a, an air of positivity about the stadium rather than nervousness because the goalkeeper and a few other players on that pitch could really do with, with that backing after shipping 11 goals in, in four days. That mm. is a, it's a tough pill to, pill to swallow. And it is a fairly new team, obviously a new manager. They've brought in quite a few new faces that have been straight into the first team. Um, you mentioned the goalies struggled a recently as his Behitch came in it felt like a big gamble to me I, th I think they were really worried about their left left side of defence ahead of that EZ game because of the quality they have which obviously turned out to be true it didn't feel like he was quite up to speed in that game it's been a tough tough start for him do you think? I don't think he's had and Bear touched on this earlier in terms of the goalkeeping situation I don't think he's had a, a huge amount of help from his teammates mm. if you're a left back and you're consistently being overloaded then it's quite hard to do that job you're relying on your pals to pick up runners and ensure that you're not being swamped I thought that was some of the criticism for example Liam Smith got after the 7-0 game I thought was a little bit over the score considering um, I'm not entirely sure how he's supposed to stop the man with the ball and stop the man who's overlapping <laughs> him if other people aren't doing their jobs. Yeah. But however, in terms of Aziz, I thought there was, again, not quite up to speed against Hearts. A tough, tough old team to play against. I know, well, they, that's they the, the such, two games he's had. They've got, uh, Hearts are, are so speedy and so tricky down the mm. wings. You know, Barry Mackay and Alan Forrest are two guys that if you're just finding your feet in a new country are, are not who you want to yeah. go up against. <laughs> but at the same time, I like him going the other way. Well, he, he won the penalty, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, so. he won the penalty. He's he's balshy. You know, he's he's confident. He gets forward. He demands the ball. He, he seems vocal and just niggly, kind of wee kind of terrier of a player. He's mm. quite diminutive. I think there's something there. Um, in the fullness of time, I would suspect that will be saying things like he's better going forward than going backwards. <laughs> he strikes me as maybe one of those fullbacks. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, if he can create chances and again, we touch on it and everybody, all 11 players can just do their defensive duties, then mm. he can be part of a, a, a decent Dundee United side. But you're right in what you said in terms of the change. It might not have been com complete personnel upheaval, but I think the one thing we, we can't overstate here is they're trying to oversee a complete 
stylistic evolution in the space of a few weeks. Yeah. This was a Dundee United team that was largely based on being stoic and resolute and trying to, if not hit on the break, certainly first priority, don't concede anything mm. stupid and then you'll probably win the game. Now, the fans wanted more expansive football. They wanted more attacking football. Jack Ross is trying to implement a 4-2-3-1 with players drifting inside from the flanks, fullbacks bombing forward, a midfield that likes to be in possession and pass the ball. That doesn't happen overnight. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's an excuse for some of the results. But, or but the then it did, it did feel like it happened overnight in that first leg. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It just, I, came, it I know just what, came together, didn't it? I know what you mean. But at the same time, that was a that was a perfect combination of not only doing all the things that I just mentioned there, but also they did their defensive duties yeah. properly. You know, you look at Glenn Middleton bombing back to track the left back and things like that. Tony Watt, first couple of minutes of the game, absolutely herring back to make a tackle mm -hmm. in his own half sets the tone that sort of thing just hasn't been happening from anybody in a tangerine or as it were black jersey in the last uh, couple of games so they need to get back to that and also try to gradually evolve into this more stylistically passing team because you can't just suddenly become an all-out gung-ho expansive team and forget about your defensive duties yeah. it needs to be a mix of the two things and that's what jack will be working towards but that's not an easy task and that's why I think it's that's why I kind of did that piece that kind of emphasizes the importance of the next seven weeks because that a couple of months is what you really need to give for everything to click for the transfer window to close to get a proper sense of where this team is going at that point we can look at the rest of the campaign and say is this going to be a wee bit of a struggle or is uh, can we still be looking forward to a, a top six push and maybe some cup competitions and we've seen, well, Jack Ross has certainly said that he feels like they're short on depth and we've kind of seen that when Dylan Levitt was obviously missing at Tynecastle. You're not really going to be able to replace him, but do you think he, he might be back fit for, for the weekend? He's obviously such a huge player for United. They'll certainly be hoping so. It's, uh, it's a little knee injury, so the key thing is you really don't want to inflame that. Mm. It's, uh, you Dundee United should have enough to get past St Mirren without Dylan Leffitt, but that's not a given and not at all being, me being disrespectful to the buddies. It's a, However, you wouldn't want to play Dylan Leffitt if you're going to tweak something in his yeah. knee because that can easily turn into six weeks if you tweak a ligament or anything like that. So you do need to err on the side of caution. It is a concern that if Dylan Leffitt's out and the game is a slightly more defensive one, Jack Ross then turns to a 36-year-old centre-half to play in defensive midfield. That's not ideal and goes back to what Bear was saying about the lack of Callum Butcher, even going back further back. They've not replaced Shondo Fuchs. So it's yeah. um, if sometimes with that defensive midfield role towards the latter end of last season, it felt like they were papering over the cracks um, in terms of what they were doing. And it's an area that you can argue that they've still not addressed, although I think in games where you're going to have a bit more of the ball, I think Craig Sibble does do that role very well. But... There will be games where you're anticipating maybe get not seeing as much of the ball and having to have a more defensive-minded midfielder in there and you would rather have somebody like Callum Butcher than a Charlie Mulgrew because you also then take Charlie Mulgrew out of centre-half, yeah. which is a, a another blow in that regard. So a long convoluted way of saying there are positions that could still be doing with being strengthened, but at the same time, Jack Ross, when we spoke to him earlier this week, said nothing was imminent and was very much of the mind right now I just need to work with what I've got the yeah. squad is what it is and as a coach 
his job is to to make those players better and to knock them into a shape that wins football matches regardless of who mm. he's got. It does feel like a, a big week for the new United boss against his old team as well, obviously. Um, so hopefully next week we might have something cheery to talk about. We'll see how it goes at the weekend. But we'll just uh, pop over to the other side of the street where it certainly is a bit cheerier. Bear. Mm-hmm. Dundee are top of the league. <laughs> I mean, Again, it is only August. It is only August. <laughs> I go back to that. I go back to that. Yeah, yeah I mean... What, what I'm really pleased about is the game against our growth, they did what they've been doing in pre-season. They did what they've been mm. doing through the League Cup games. They did to affect what they did at Starts Park the week before. And they've consigned that opening game defeat to Park Thistle to the, the bin where it deserves to be because they didn't do any of that, George. They didn't pass the ball. I don't know what it was that day, but that was not the Dundee mm. side under Boyle no, that wasn't. I've seen in, in five or six pre-season games leading up to that game. I don't know if it was just the, the first game scenario and players were a bit uptight and they weren't wanting to take any, you know, take sort of control of the ball and everything was kick and run, but they didn't do that day and they got what they deserved. They, they lost the game. But they've now shown that they can play. Mm. And what they have shown um, against the good Arbroath side, I've got to say, who very rarely ship four goals. Well, yeah. I, I had a look back uh, they didn't concede four goals at all last season yeah. in any game. Very rarely. It was the season goal, before they got beat four three. Have you, have you yeah. watched that game on on last Friday night? I mean, Dundee could have had four in the first half, ah. and they should have had four in the first half. And the fact that Arbroath was were still in the game is a credit to them for being so dogmatic. But maybe it's a criticism of Dundee for allowing them still to be in the game. Um, and there was a case that I, I, I heard that Campbell at the end saying Arbroath could have won the game if Dale Hilson mm-hmm. had put that ball in the net there's a good possibility with, with three or four minutes to go they would have won to go 3-2 up but that would have been a travesty I think on, on over the course of the, the evening the way Dundee had played they were terrific you know they, they did everything the manager has asked them their passing and movement was excellent they had Arbroath they were dragging Arbroath players all over the place they were getting behind they were getting balls in the box they were creating chances the only criticism is they didn't take enough of those chances, but bodes very. Took four of them. Yeah, yes, yes, not yes. enough. Well, and I would go, I would go back to that as well. It twos up. They weren't happy to sit at twos up. Yeah, no. They went and pressed for like a win, be, which I yeah. think is a good sign as well. It tells you that they're not going to be happy sitting on draws and trying to see out games. They're going to go for it, and I think that's the way Dundee should be this season with the players and, and you know the, the personnel they have and the size of the club they are. They should be going and looking to win every single game, certainly at home. And they scored a couple of fantastic, scored good goals on the night, mm-hmm. but scored a couple of fantastic late goals. I've got to say, uh, fair play to Zach Robinson. He did what a striker is paid to do: put like the him. ball yeah. in the back of the net. Fair play to Luke McKibben did what a wide man's supposed to do, get crosses into the box. Now, it wasn't the, the best cross in the world, but it went right in the middle of that box on the six-yard line. Now, if you keep putting balls in there, you know, and, you know, Tam O'Brien and Ricky Little are, are good defensive pairing, but the striker got right in between the two of them and the ball landed on his head and he's put it in. And then to cap it all, you know, a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful goal from, from Josh Mulligan, you know, running the length. Obviously, our both are, are pushing for an equaliser. They catch him in possession. As soon as he's on that ball, I was saying to myself, don't pass that. Just you keep going. And I knew exactly... <laughs> Paul George, McGowan was telling George, When he gets it. to the edge of the box, I'm not sure who came over, if it was Tam O'Brien or Ricky Little had come over, but somebody comes over at the time and you know exactly he's going to cut inside him. And he does it... Yeah. Does so it easy, these, isn't it? And right. then just lashes one in. Well, it wasn't much of a lash. It was more of a place, but a, mm. a, a power placement. At the top. And it, it capped a great night in a, a, for the Dundee fans. 
after that opening day. I think they needed that. Yeah. You know, because they've had a, they had a good support, had a good following again, and, but you want them to go away with a smile on their face. And I think everyone at that ground was buzzing after that, and rightly so. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure the manager is happy, but I'm sure it's sent a, a few shivers down the spines of a lot of clubs in that championship. A lot of managers will be looking at Dundee and going, how are we going to be able to compete with them if they're, if they're playing like that? You know, there, mm. will, there, there will be teams that have an idea how to do it, but it's going to be tough for them, and Dundee need to keep up that, you know... Dundee are the big side in that league, but they need to go and stamp their mark on and say, yeah, we're going to take that cross and we're going to carry it throughout the season. Mm-hmm. You know, and go into the park with an air of confidence. And what we see, George, is keep playing like that. Have the courage of your conviction not to change. There will be games as the season moves on. As the season moves on and parks maybe get a little bit, you know, poorer, the conditions, you know, can, can become blustery. And you have sometimes have to play the conditions as well, yeah. as much as the opposition. But at this point in time, you know, they go down to Capital on Saturday, I'm delighted they're going down this early in the season because the park will be in yeah. good nick. You expect mm-hmm. conditions to be good. They can go on there and do exactly the same again against a very a tough side, I know, a tough venue. But everything's good for Dundee at this point in time, George, and, and the manager can take great credit for that. And how do we look at the fixture list, actually, just in terms of away days, purely from a selfish point of view? <laughs> how bad the weather's going to be at Gayfield and it's actually turned out October and March I think mm-hmm. yeah so the fixture list has been a wee bit kind as well avoiding those really tough away days but um, you've got there's, there's different ways to win games I've always said that I've, sometimes mm. if, if, if parts are poor and you're trying to play intricate football and it's not working you then have to use the power scenario where you go long you try and get flick-ons win second balls mm. mm-hmm. but they look perfectly capable of doing that you know they've got a nice balance to the team um, I, I look at, you know, uh, they've signed Joe Grayson, came in and I thought he was excellent, straight yeah. into the team. Now, that suggests that if, uh, if I'm at Dens and I'm a Max Anderson or a Luke McGiven or, or a Sean Byrne or mm-hmm. a Paul McGiven, I'm concerned about that because the manager's obviously identified something that he likes about Grayson. He thinks he can do a job for him and that's shown over 90 minutes on Friday night suggests he can do a job. What I like about this, the manager signings is, uh, you know, Tyler French, Luke Grayson, uh, Zach Robinson, they're all big lads. Mm-hmm. Aye, that's definitely he, the way that they've definitely gone. Definitely yeah. identified the fact that Dundee physically were not a strong enough mm. side. We saw that in the Premier League last season. They had to beef themselves up. And in the Championship, you do tend to get bullied at times if you've got a small side. You need big mm. lads in there. And they now look physically capable, but they also have players with real, real quality in there as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a good start, George, but they've got to drive. When, when you're on top, as I said last week, you looked at the championship over you know the first three games, there is no one with full points. Yeah. Now that tells me if you can string a few results together, you will put a big stretch. You know, It's, it's, yeah. like, it's like Elish McCoggan in the 10,000 metres in the Commonwealth Games. As soon as he's put that spot in, she leaves the field, stretches it wide, mm. wide out. And that's what Dundee should be looking to do over the next few weeks. Well, that's exactly what I was going to throw at Alan. Um, beat me to the punch with no, that no. bear. Uh, I speak too long, George. <laughs> <laughs> now the table is well the championship table is always very tight uh, more often than not actually quite surprised to see both are bottom of the league considering they yeah, were quite good on Friday they won't stay there they won't no stay. they won't um, especially signing Scott Allen as well I think it was a decent signing but Alan, Dundee you've got Morton away which is tough Air away which is tough the next two games but games that you'd see Dundee as the favourites so I would suggest you can't expect that the way the championship goes 
maybe not expect other teams to put two back-to-back wins together. This is a good chance for Dundee to start. Really, what Bear says is kind of put their marker down and show they are the, the top team. Yeah. Before a ball was kicked this season, and it's a lot easier for me to uh, kind of predict that Dundee should run away with it because uh, no skin off my nose if they then don't. <laughs> um, however, Dundee United are, uh, sorry, Dundee are uh, far and away the best team in this division, player for player. They should be winning this league. That doesn't mean they've got any divine right to it and there mm. will be games that they need to fight and scrap. But what it does mean, and you touch upon it there, is that while Dundee might drop the odd point here and there, every single week the te- the other teams are going to be slitting each other's throats in this division without a shadow of a doubt because there are no teams that stand out the way Dundee do. So over the course of the campaign, Dundee should simply win more games and have more consistency than any other team in the division is capable of. And I thought, going back to a point you've made about the, the physicality, I thought it was a, a terrific one. George and I, before we went on air, were just talking about that. And not only... To Dundee have a team packed with, you know, tall, strapping, strong people. Even the more diminutive players, they have engines, they have legs. Yeah. You know, it's it's Josh Mulligan might not necessarily outjump somebody that's six foot four, but ninety-two minutes into a football match, he's still running the length of the pitch. There's an engine, there's energy, there's there's legs there, and I think that is absolutely what you're going to need when you go to places like Capelo or Somerset Park, where it's not going to be zip, zip, zip. There's going to be, you're going to need to go route one. You're going to need to have legs. You're going to need to have energy. You're going to need to match runners, do all the really ugly stuff that wins your titles in the championship. And I think Gary Boyer's built a, a squad that's good for that. I think it's good that someone from, well, it's whether it's good or not, I think it's uh, fitting for this division that Gary Boyer's come up for from England, a league where, you simply have to be a physical unit to compete. Mm. He's come up with those eyes of, I don't sign a player unless first and foremost they can physically compete for 90 minutes of a football match because you will get battered and hammered in English football unless you have have the people to physically compete. So he's come up here with that mindset, with that mentality of, yes, I need good footballers, but also I have that philosophy of, I'm coming from a league where if you can't compete physically... You don't, you don't get signed, you don't get in the team, mm. or otherwise we'll go overrun. So I think that fresh eyes that he's come to Scottish football with and that, if you want to call it a sort of English lower league mentality, if you like, will serve Dundee really well in the Scottish lower leagues. And before we get too carried away, Bear, because as you say, you've said often in this podcast already, it's only August, um, these two games feel like the kind of classic championship test going away to Capillo, going away to Somerset Park. These, I would say these two games are where we see really how serious Dundee are or where they're at in terms of being that championship contender. Ah, they're classic, classic games. You go where you would accept a point normally. Mm-hmm. You would accept a point going away from home against these clubs because... The, the games are always tend to be tight. The, the, the parks tend to be, um, you know, they caught up easily and uh, the conditions can be poor. But as I've said earlier, it's, you know, it's still August. The parks should be good. Dundee are playing with confidence. I would fully expect them to go and play exactly mm. the same way 
uh, you know, as as they did against our Broth, and uh, you know, hopefully that that will have a similar outcome. I mean, I, I, you're you're not going to play a, a tougher team. Our Broth are a tough, tough team to play against. We saw that even in, in, in the fact Dundee got four goals. You know, there'd be a few players walking off the park with a few bumps and bruises <laughs> last Friday. We saw that. And, you know, you're not going to get a harder team to play against. So it's not going to be any more difficult at, at, at Capelo or, or down at Somerset Park. But you've got to still keep producing all the time, George. You mm. can't take your eye off the ball. And it's up to the manager to decide, you know, well, does he go with the same sort of starting eleven, or does he, does he freshen things up? He's been quite good at that this season, you know, bringing, bringing one or two guys in and... You know, just keep things going. I think most areas of the team functioned quite well last week. Obviously, they'll be disappointed in, in, in the goals they've lost. Um, the couple of errors they were punished for. I think that uh, young Harry Sharp in the goal still looks a bit nervy at times. Coming I, out, I think. Yeah, I've noticed that. He's, it's, he's it's not, it's not, not confident not, when he's coming he's out. Making, he's making good saves. I think it's... As more times with balls over the top, yeah, that's whether, what I mean, he, yeah. Yeah. A whether, he, whether he comes away, doesn't it? And, and what happened ultimately, what happens is he gets too close to his back four, so defenders are coming back with the ball, he's encroaching into their area, mm. and the, because they're too close, they can't really pass it. No, yeah. and yeah. you know, and there has been a couple of instances, but I don't see um, I don't see uh, Gary Boyer changing the goalkeeper, certainly not at this point. He'll give him mm. enough time to hopefully get that out of his system. You know, and he hasn't made any any handling errors or, mm. or anything like that. And he has made one or two really useful saves. Um, that sounds like decision making. You wonder if that's just a matter of experience, playing matches, yeah. getting used to knowing Absolutely. your senior defenders. You know, that's and you, you would assume that after having that pointed out to him, probably mm. probably bluntly by his centre halves <laughs> for a while, that will get knocked out of system and he'll be a better yeah. goalkeeper. He's, he's, he's no mug either when you speak yeah. to me. He's, he's pretty switched on. So yeah. yeah. And again, be. you've got somebody like you know. I mean, I noticed that Sweeney. <coughs> there were a couple instances in the second half that maybe could have let the ball go through, but he just he just played it, which is what you've got to do if you're not 100 percent sure and your keeper. You know, it's it's not a good place to be. But it, it, look, we're making it sound as though they're. They've been terrible. They haven't. They've, they've, mm. I think they do have a, a decent enough understanding. But it's one that is developing. Harry Sharp is young. He, as, as, as he gets more games under his belt, it will get better. Um, other areas, uh, obviously, saw your piece this week. Great. Big Lee Ashcroft saying, I'm, I'm ready to go. And, you know, and he's come on and played sort of in the last 10 minutes. How does games. he get them out? I asked him this. I mean, how does he actually get... Because Sweeney's the club captain. Yeah. So he's not going to get dropped easily. And then you got... Tyler French running the whole length of the pitch yeah. for the first goal and being unlucky not to score. Yeah, how <laughs> how does he get them out of the team? For me, I mean, I, I think you've just got to go with what you've got at the moment, George. Yeah, I injuries, yeah, suspensions. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a lack of form. Certain things might happen where he has to shuffle the defence about a wee bit. For me, uh, Ashcroft and Sweeney would dominate that league as mm. a central defensive partnership. But at this point in time. It's, it's Sweeney and French and we saw what French brings to the table you know as well so it's a tough one it's a tough one and as Ashcroft like you said I'm ready but he did he did say to be fair to him you know when it's the manager that picks a team the team's doing well I've just got to wait for my you mm. know wait for my, my chance and be ready to go in there but he's shown he's shown he can come on what a boy to bring on when you're maybe are hanging on to a lead Alan yeah and clubs are just throwing balls in there because he very rarely misses a ball in the area or anything like that. You know, well, you've got yeah. him and Ashcroft. Well, he said playing defensive midfield, he didn't think he touched the ball with his feet. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's, it's so interesting in terms of that balance because I can see why 
he would like the balance of Sweeney and French because yeah. they bring completely different things yeah. to the table. You have Sweeney who will head and kick and dominate absolutely everything. And then you have French who, as you say, can run the length of the pitch. Mm -hmm. Very different skill sets. And if you think you're going to dominate matches, which Dundee should in the championship, then having somebody like a Tyler French who can step out is a really, really positive thing. Whereas I do wonder... When you're thinking about, I think of Sweeney and Ashcroft as more of a, if you're going to be under the cosh, that's a centre central defence pairing. And mm. there's maybe an argument that says you would concede fewer goals if you had them as your centre-half pairing. But would you be as progressive with the football if that was your central defence pairing? You know, They're not huddies with the ball at their feet, but neither of them's running the length of no. the field. So it's, I think there's a really interesting dynamic there and I do wonder whether there'll be an element of horses for courses. You say, for example, you're discussing away trips to Gayfield, for example. Mm. On occasions like that, will you maybe say, this is a this is a job for a Sweeney and Ashcroft? And, but what a, what a problem to have. As a championship club thinking, oh, when should we put, pitch Lee Ashcroft into <laughs> no. action? I mean, that's an embarrassment of riches, really. It's pretty much, and that's, that's the issue Gary Bowyer's got at the moment, actually. Um, there's pretty much nobody injured now no. Sheridan was back on the bench Langston's has been back on the bench Ashcroft is back on the bench so the three long term injuries are back John McGee is back training this week wow. Alex Kubiak's trained this week the only one missing was Luke Strachan that was mm. an illness um, he's got some decisions to make he's also, he's also talking about bringing in our couple injured yeah so. I know I think I think you'd be looking at it, and I would think one or two may either go or or go out on loan, go out loan yeah. somewhere. Well, uh, Sam Fisher obviously has gone to the yeah, and I, you know, I like Sam Fisher; he did really well. Mm. But it's, it's tough to see at this point in time. He still looks physically has to develop slightly, but a good player. He did well in pre-season, mm -hmm. and while he's going out on loan, I would say to Dundee fans, don't get too concerned. He's going to a good club under a manager. He knows he'll yeah. get games. Mm -hmm. He'll get games, and he'll go on and show what he can actually do. And I think that'll be good for Sam Fisher's development and good for Dundee in the long run as well. You only need to look at Chris Mockery from you know yeah. my side of the street, mm -hmm. going to Dunfermline, straight in the side, straight scoring goals. Yeah. You know, James uh, McPake is. I think he's cognizant that he's got a wee bit of a, a lack of depth, lack of options at, at Dunfermline. He's he wants in crisis mode almost. Yeah, he wants getting injuries. Yeah. He wants players that will not only go into his squad but will be potentially going into his starting eleven. Mm. So. In terms of, and what he'll also get, Sam Fisher, which again, Chris Mockery's getting, is the expectations at a club like Dunfermline are huge. You know, until you've covered them and, and, and seen the internal machinations there, you maybe don't realise the, the pressure of that mm -hmm. fan base and that yeah. expectation to win games. And a club of Dunfermline size in League One, I know some people might sniff at League One and say, oh, you know, perhaps higher level or blah 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 but there's good teams in League One and that weight of expectation of being expected to win a title what a great thing for a young player to experience mm -hmm. that, that will bring them on leaps and bounds so I just echo what you say there that's, that's, a, that's a good loan move I think for him yeah. and I think what Gary Boyer's doing as well George at Dens obviously you've spoken about the guys who aren't playing that they all put, seem quite happy as well yeah but that despite that I, well we'll see how long that lasts <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'll get the game but I think that I've spoken to players you know, behind the scenes as well and I haven't had, heard one bad word about Gary Boyer yeah. and his assistant which is a great place to be but I think having that strength and depth on the substitutes bench puts real pressure on yeah. the guys on the park to yeah. deliver because they're looking and going you know, I've ever, I mean in the past you've maybe done the player 
Mm. To play poorly and, and still expect to get a starting jersey the, the following week. Not now. If you have a poor game, there's a good chance you'll be out of that team. And if you're out of that team, it might not be just for one week or two weeks. You know, you well, could we're talking be about for, Ashcroft can't get in the team. You so, could be out for yeah. a couple of months. So Gary Boyer's in a really good place. I'd be interested to see where he thinks they, they need to strengthen. Obviously, I, th- I saw Joe Grayson coming in. He could play at left back. I think that they needed some sort of cover mm. in there, obviously, for Jordan Marshall. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think in, in terms of bringing folk in? I th- the, the one thing I think they're a wee bit short on is creativity in midfield. Mm-hmm. I think McGowan can do that. Obviously, Mulligan and Anderson are runners and, and excellent players, but they're about getting up and down the pitch and moving the ball that way. Maybe a wee bit of guile, I think, that they're missing. McGinn's been out of the team, which has been mm-hmm. a little surprising to me of late, but McCowan came in, scored. Scored and had an assist as well. McMullen's been assisting. Uh, he's not everyone's favourite, but um, he grumbles from the stands sometimes, but I think I his pace wonder, brings a lot. Yeah, I think so, and, and I just... He feel, I, I feels mentioned. like he's getting back to his, yeah. his old self as well. I think he goes all over the place, but he's always got licence to do that. I think his runs create space for other players, but mm. as I've said in the past, I'd like to see him just maybe focus on that right-hand side and stay there, get the ball there, and just... Old-fashioned winger. Old-fashioned. Yeah. He's got the pace. I, I, I mean, I think he has got one or two tricks, but he's more pace. It's more. It's not not one of these. He's not one of these guys that will drop the, sh- the shoulder mm. and, and leave boys. Stand. It's more suck in the fullback, knock it 10 yards past him, get to the byline, put balls in. Well, that was why he was so successful in the championship for mm. Dundee previously. Yeah. I just felt like he was just quicker than anyone yeah, else in the yeah. division. He was just too fast. Um, but we are being very, very positive because things are <laughs> fairly positive. Obviously, we talked about the disappointing uh, goals they conceded. Um, but I, I had, I've been this week having a look back at the previous trips to Capilo and they've not always been particularly happy for Dundee even when Morton had been struggling I mean the one that comes to mind was Dougie Emery scoring when Morton are already relegated and Dundee are going for the league title Well Dundee thought I mean honestly after that game I mean, there was a big Dundee support there that day. There was only two games left wasn't there yeah, after there was it, a yeah. big support there that day and I contemplated Jumping in the in the in the docks when we came in, Capital, <laughs> because you thought that was it, that was game up the poly sort of mm. thing. Fortunately for Dundee, uh, the following week they beat Alo Athletic. I think it was away from home, and I, I, I Hamilton think, slipped up. Yeah. yeah, Hamilton slipped up, and then that opened up for Dundee to win the last game against them. But and of course we'll not we'll not touch on Dougie Emery and, and Morton who got ten from Hamilton in the last game. <laughs> yeah. of the season. Mm. Anyway, always but he is manager. So he is manager. Mean, you know what I. A lot of Dundee fans don't. I quite like Doogie Emery. I, I, I liked him as a player, but the Dundee fans really, really, <laughs> you know, don't yeah. take them whatsoever. I think he was one of these boys that just he did quite well against Dundee, and you always target yeah. target these guys. But uh, he's he's one that I always felt he liked to wind up the opposition. Yeah, and yeah. He's maybe one you'd like in your team, but you. But as as a player, you know, he could he could mix it as well. He was, mm. you know, he wasn't frightened to put a tackle in. Um, and his team are going to be like that on Saturday, so Dundee are going to have to, you know, be resolute again, as we say. I mean, play football certainly, mm. but uh, you know, be solid in the, in the challenge. But we've seen that against our growth; they can cope with that. They can cope with that. Yeah. So, yeah, it should be a good game. I'm really looking forward to it. <coughs> I'm looking forward to it as well. Although I, I'm not a big fan of the trip to Greenock. So. I think Dougie Emery's kind of behind the eight ball in terms of the resources he's working with. Well, a lot he didn't have a bench, basically. Yeah, yeah I think I think he is working with if not both at least one hand tied behind mm. his back there and I think you saw in the last 
six months of last season. There's a good coach there. You know, you can say what you want about what he was like as a player or... He learned some of his coaching at Dens Park as yeah, well. well yeah, he, he was a youth coach. He's, you know, he's been at Dens Park, he's worked in the Livingston coaching setup, and now he's gone on to Morton. He's, a, he's clearly got something about him mm-hmm. as a coach. However, he's going to... I worry that this season could end up being a slightly damaging one for him just due to the fact that he has got very little to work with mm. at Morton and Capolo will always be a big factor in his advantage because it is a it's a tough place to go and it's it's narrow and it's it's generally quite a a challenge in a way day but if if you know we were discussing a growth being bottom of the league earlier I would expect Morton to be occupying there or thereabouts mm. come the end of the season but won't make it any easier for Dundee on no. uh, this weekend that's can for sure yeah can I just say um going to Capelo on Saturday, I want to uh, take my hat off to the people through at Morton because there is a cash turnstile at Capelo right. on Saturday. So, you know, I sometimes scratch my head at, at football in general. They make it so difficult, uh, so difficult know. nowadays. I mean, I can understand if the grounds are full every week, but, you know, you're going to championship games and you've got to go online, you've got to give all your details, you've got to do this, you get it printed out, you know. To you, have to, you have to football, do it days in advance. Yeah, That's what does me in. If, to go to a game of football, yeah. the stadium's only a third full. I mean, come on, clubs, get get the put the cash turnstiles on. Let's get the fans going. Like you say, George, let's get the fans going, rocking up and getting into the grounds. Mm-hmm. You know, just just make it so difficult. If you sure, if you want to go online and do it, do that. But you know, it's prohibitive. People people go, oh, I'm not doing that. Again, or, you know, if you go decide to go yeah. to the last minute, you got to go through all that. I'm no bother, you know. I know that's always my problem. If it happened to not be working, I decide I want to go to the football. It tends to be a last minute thing. Yeah, maybe the day before, and mm-hmm. if it's Queens away, I, that's not going to happen because it's quite often have to get the tickets from yeah. the Vries. I've got to, see, I've got to see so. Dundee do it as well. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, no, this, yeah, yeah. this criticism at Scottish football in general. Let's make it easy for supporters. Mm. To get into grounds. I don't know if it's my imagination, but I feel like this season's been worse than ever. Yeah. I feel like it's been more obtrusive and more awkward in terms of getting tickets. I don't know if that's a maybe a hangover from COVID when cashless. logistics changed yeah. and it became more of a yeah, as you say, a cashless society. But for goodness sake, it just seems impossible. To, and I'm like George. I've been on the rare occasions I get a game off. I mean, I've been to see some random games have been a bonus because it's easy it yeah. happened to be easier to just use a, a, a certain app i think it's called Fanbase, to just buy a ticket on the day and right. go up and rather than maybe go yeah. to a league match where i would have had to be online the previous day yeah. to buy it online it's mm. just yeah I, i'm with you I, I i don't know whether it's a logistical thing or a hangover from covid but it feels like this season's been more awkward than ever and you're seeing more complaints than ever from fans who want to go to a football yeah. match uh, and can't do it of course and what happens is you, you get to the grounds and i'll be honest i go with the rabbi d dark blues and we we tend to to leave uh in the morning, just at perfect time, you know, give yourself half an hour probably. So you're arriving at the ground normally half an hour. Have you been? Have you been about a road? What's fifteen minutes before kickoff? So you're going straight to the the game, you know, and you get and you've got the electronic entrance. Now sometimes there is an issue, and somebody's mm. isn't accepted, and that causes massive <laughs> yeah. tailbacks. And there isn't anybody. The stewards are trying to figure out what's going going on, and you know, just it's just so difficult. It just it scratches my head at times with football because. Stadiums are empty. You know, let's make mm. it let's make it easier for fans to get in. Definitely. And just to kind of finish off the Dundee stuff, well, one thing we hadn't mentioned was obviously the, the sad passing the Pat Lenny club legend. It's 
I mean, an absolute club legend, the, the only goalkeeper that's actually won the top top prize for Dundee. Uh, and I saw Alan Petullo had actually said, I think he said on Twitter that Pat Lenny will have the distinct honour of being always been the first name on the list of players that have won hmm. the league championship with, with Dundee. But I thought it was a, a really kind of, I thought Dundee handled it really well. It's obviously such a, a difficult thing to do. Emotional game. I thought the fans were great. Gary Boyer played his part as well. I, th- I thought it was really touching to, to see him go and put the, the the wreath on the on the goal line. I thought it was a really nice touch. And then obviously the, the fans themselves brought the minutes applause in the sixty second minute. And then Dundee go and score straight after it. I mean, it couldn't have been a better send off, could it be? No, it was it was a fitting tribute. And the way things panned out, yeah, as Gary Boyer said, and I think he's still up there uh, yeah. looking after us, but. Uh, yeah, fitting tribute to to guys rightly regarded as a legend as are the rest of that team who played in the championship. Mm. And I think the thing about Pat Linney is he was a guy as well who, through my time, I never actually saw him playing, but through my working career when I used to go up to the Dens and, and speak to the managers, Pat Linney was always there. Mm. You always seemed to be at Dens part in the background, whether it was, you know, just working in the lounges or just, you know, doing something at, at the ground. So he kept in a... You know, he had a sort of a link with the club, which was solid over a period, not just of his playing career, of, mm. his, of his life, and I think that deserved recognition. And I think what they did was was terrific. And you know, obviously, to finish with a result like that, it's, it's, it was a fan tribute to him. I think, and mm-hmm. Gary mentioned it at the end. And the, the minutes applause, I think, as well, was it was the right way to go about it. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of the way clubs have always kind of done about it feel like it was it was it felt like a celebration of him yeah i think i think the minutes the minute silence the problem with minute silence is there's always one or two people can't respect that mm. and once one or two start you know that's that feeds into the, the people who do want to respect it and it be, can become a wee bit you know diluted because of that i think the minutes applause was good i think i've got to say credit to a lot of these young lads because you know, especially they're making the noise now in in, yeah. in the south enclosure because Pat Linney is a distant memory for these <laughs> yeah. guys, you know, but they, they did to, to a man, you know, they, they kept it going. And I've got, can I mention that as well, George? They kept the atmosphere feel really good at Dens over the course of 90 minutes against our growth and I would encourage them to keep that going mm. through the rest of the season as well. Exactly. Um, so f- finish off the Dundee section on a sad note, but hopefully we'll have another win to talk about uh, next week Gary Boyer's managed to win six of his seven in charge so no reason he, he can't go and do that at Capo despite Dundee's recent troubles there and I think uh, we're just about touching the hour mark so we'll, we'll call it a day I think um, so thanks everyone for listening and see you next week If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.